hello, hello. Welcome to Ami Tuckered Out. I am your host, Ami Tucker Ravel, and I am here with my sidekick, Nizar Babul. <laughs> sidekick. You How like you doing? One? Yeah, I like yeah, it. I thought I would add that in this time. So super pumped about our interview today. Yes. And, um, you know, in this podcast, we have tried to interview people from various backgrounds and industries. Yes. And personally for me, as a writer and having written for a variety of magazines, I want to get someone from that industry. And we are lucky to have Supriya Dravid, the editor-in-chief of El India here today. Yeah, hugely grateful to her. It's it's a great talk. And, and you guys will hear in the interview, but she's had... So far, I mean, she, she's young, but she's had a pretty long career, and she's done a bunch of different things and talks about the road to becoming the editor-in-chief for El India. Yeah, and on top of that, she is a mother of two. So yes. An, another power mom, another badass mom. Badass mom, yes, yeah, indeed. We tend to have a lot of those on here. Indeed, indeed. And just a, a bit of a disclaimer, we did, like I said, we're so grateful to Supriya for taking time out of her uh, day and actually night because she's vacationing in Thailand. So thank you again to her. But as a result, uh, you will hear the audio quality is a little bit different than usual. Uh, but I hope you'll bear with us. The content is so great. Coming up is our talk with Supriya Dravid. So, Supriya, I, you know, went through your resume and just kind of want to talk about your background a little bit. You uh, graduated from Auckland University of Technology in yeah. uh, New Zealand. Why did you end up there? Or how did you end up there? I think uh, it was more a case of why not. You know, I did apply to colleges in the U.S. and all of that. But I think um, it was also a sense of comfort that my parents got because I had family living in New Zealand. And I could, I'm the only child. So, I guess... Uh, they also felt that it'd be safe for me to go where there's family, which is precisely why I went and I did. And I quite liked it. It was a great time living in that country and uh, I completely enjoyed it. So, yeah, I think it's always it's always good to, to get out of your comfort zone. And, of and course, get out of, yeah. yeah, you know, otherwise I feel like people a lot of times that don't do it are like, wait, we missed out on something. Of course. And I think uh, even in terms of the education that I got, it was completely different to what I was used to. Uh, even with the education system that I was used to in India, it was very, very basic. You know, you memorize something, you write it down. Um, and I wasn't really taught to think. Uh, that came from home. And that also came from the college I went to. And so then the let's talk about the beginning of your professional career. You were at India Today, CNN, IBN as a correspondent, contributor to various publications such as New York Times, El India, Mint and Mint, um, and then on to Harper's Bazaar. Um, can you tell me kind of about the beginning of your career? I think... Um, I think my first job actually was with the Cartoon Network. Um, I was the, you know, marketing public relations assistant. And um, I had a really good time there. I think I first thought I was going to be an animator. I thought, why not give that a shot? But, um, and then eventually, I think I just wanted to write. So um, at that point of time, um, you know, I was living in Delhi with my parents and I'd come across uh, something that the author Zadie Smith had written on the Penguin website, uh, which was her own interpretation of the alphabet. And I thought, OK, let me try giving this a shot. I mean, I don't think I have the finesse or the command of the language like Zadie has. But I just thought, hey, you know, let me try this. So I wrote that just as a lock and I sent it to the editor in chief uh, of India Today 
back then. It was just one of those things when I had a Yahoo account and I said, oh, let me just send it. I basically forgot to check my email the next day. <laughs> Within the next three days, um, I realized that his office had reached out say, why don't you come in and meet us? And uh, it was totally bizarre and very random. But I still end up going in and I got a job as a correspondent. And that's basically how I got into journalism, I think. And um, so I started, right, they were launching a city magazine. I had a great editor there um, and I was sitting and basically writing and reporting stories for the next eight years uh, in India today. I grew up there. I think in the middle, uh, my dad was very keen that I try out television. But the problem is if you start out writing, it's very, very difficult to go to TV only because of the dependency on so many people. You, know, you have to depend on an editor or a producer or a cameraman. With writing, you just write it, it's done. So I, so I try television for like, six months and I ran back to print. My then editor was launching a luxury magazine called India Today Spice. So um, I did that. I wrote on luxury fashion, lifestyle, travel, watches, you know, the whole thing. I did that for about five years. Uh, sorry, three years after that. In 2011, I, I just wanted to do something else. So I, I always wanted to write a book. And I mean, I don't mean flippant when I say that, oh, I want to do this and I did it. But it was just something that was eating at me. So I did write a book and uh, I basically wrote a novel and I'd sent in the first three chapters to my agent uh, at the time, David Godwin. And I was just very keen to know if he would take me on. And when I sent him those three chapters, he was like, yes, let's do this. And then I wrote the next three chapters and it became six chapters. And then he was like, OK, finish the book and then. So I wrote continuously for about a year. And when I did that, it was, I think, 2011, but I'd also been writing all my life. So I took out diaries from when I was, uh, you know, in 2003 to 2004 to whatever, you know. Okay. And finally it became this book that was ready in 2011. But anyone who writes a book knows that editing is much more tedious and yes. long, longer. Um, so eventually I... It got published by Penguin Random House, uh, just a Random House at the time, and it came out in 2013. Yeah, it's and, called a uh, it's called a cool dark place, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I have a question. I don't want to harp on it for too long. Sure. But the plot of that book is wild, <laughs> and I'm yeah. and I'm having trouble reconciling the person that I'm talking to right now with the plot of it. Can you tell us a little bit about it, just in case people are interested? Yeah, I think. Um, I had a great time writing it. I think I just pushed my brain into places that had no business going. You, know, It was based on uh, essentially four people. And a lot of it is inspired by my mother's father. And it just, and I exaggerated, of course, it's a novel, you know. So um, I wrote a little bit about him, but I have to say that the writing the conversation uh, in that book was very, very easy because those are the kind of conversations I have with my mother on a daily basis. Yeah. So it seems very bizarre that um, I didn't have to work too hard in writing those lines because I was so used to those sort of sentences. It was, it was personal for you. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. every first book, unless you're made of some other metal, is has to be personal. Yeah. yeah. And to me, it was deeply cathartic, I think, because I just wanted to do it. I had to come out. I think now when I think of it, I could have put the book on a diet. It's very, very, you know, written with metaphors and lines and all of that. But I just, but it's your first book. You have, you, you're you trying to impress yourself more than anyone. Sure. And now I can look at it saying that, oh my God, I did overwrite it. But um, 
at that point, I thought that was the best I could do and I need to make the most of it. And um, so when I tried writing something else, I tried to pare it down to absolute minimal. I can see that in the way I write right now. It's very, very minimal and it's not as hectic as my novel. But the thing is, yes, so essentially going back to the plot, it was based on this young narrator whose father committed suicide and she's trying to come to terms with it. Her mother tells her up front that he's not your father. And then essentially the lives of these two women, the narrator and her mother, is completely controlled by this crazy man who is her grandfather. And um, it's a very simple story, but I just, uh, it, it's a personal family story, I think, in many ways. But uh, it was very colorful characters, I think, more than anything else. Yeah. And I was used to them. <laughs> I mean, hey, you wrote a book. That's no small feat. But then it looks like uh, you have a two-book deal, right? So can we yes, expect another book? You know, I, ha I had two, two kids right after. And I just think that um, I don't know how people do it with kids and books. I really, that's what I asked. I met, I had the luxury meeting, Zadie Smith, last month in New York. Hey. And I asked her, how do you do it with kids? How do you write novels and stories and articles on such voracious basis, uh, despite the fact that you have a lifestyle as a mom, you know, you're juggling schedules and all of that. And she does. And she said, I write from 11 to 3. Wow. And, uh, yeah. So I do 11 o'clock. I'm done by 3.30. You know, sometimes if I'm lucky, I do 5.30. Yes, I did get a two book deal. I haven't honored it, but I just don't think I have it in me. I think I just put everything in my first book uh, that I think I need to be sufficiently burnt out in my present job and my kids need to be slightly grown up for me to start back again because it's a ve it's writing. I think it's a very physical activity. I mean, you're sitting in one place, but it takes everything out of you out to of you. create um, a story out of thin air and you're just doing it by yourself in your head on a computer that's not connected to the internet. This is a kind of an insider question. Signing with a publisher like that, do they have certain stipulations of if it is, like in this case, a two-book deal when they're expecting another book or they kind of give you a little bit of range? I think uh, they didn't give me a timeline. <laughs> they did. But uh, I think they also realized that, you know, after the book, I got pregnant with my first son and then I got pregnant with my second child and then I, I had full-time jobs and I think they were my, my publisher is Meru Gokhale of Penguin and uh, she's been very kind to me and not asking me the question on yeah. whether you're sending the manuscript. But um, I it, it used to eat at me, but then, you know, I tried writing a second book. I really tried, but I wasn't just, I mean, I just wasn't happy. You know, it just seemed so half-hearted. It was just like, okay, let me just do this because I have to do this. And it wasn't me. It will, so, it'll probably come yeah. to you when the time is right, right? I'm but, really hoping so. Yeah. <laughs> or if not, hey, look, I, I have, I get stressed out writing articles. So I can't even exactly. imagine a book. Exactly. So I think I'm hoping that, um, I think I used to beat up myself about the whole thing. But I think now I've just realized it'll come when it has to come in the same manner that the first book came to me. And it's very, I mean, when I say came to me, that's the thing is when you're writing a book, the, the preoccupation that you have is, is fantastic. You're only occupied about characters in your head and you want to go out. But the second you leave the door, you're just like, oh, my God, I'm losing out two hours. I'm not able to write. Exactly. But it doesn't mean that when you're sitting at home, those two hours, you're writing. You're just staring into space, literally. Yeah. And I maintain a very like strict schedule of no Internet, no this nothing but i can't do all of that when i have my kids around me I, I i can't 
I can't have the luxury of okay, let me just handle this tomorrow, you know. Yeah. So it's just it, it it has to come when the time is right, when I'm able to do it. I think more than anything, yeah. Well, I've seen the reception of the first book, which you got really good reviews on. Yes. Um, I'm sure that the next book will knock it out of the park. Maybe, maybe, when, maybe when they're in college. <laughs> I hope. So El, El India, tell me about your start as editor-in-chief there. I think um, I started in November of last year and my first cover was in January. I think my primary vision, I think, for the magazine is to make it very inclusive. And by that, I don't mean, so people always ask me, what is your age group, you know, your target age group? And it really rattles me up because my age group, the, the kind of people that I want uh, or the kind of people that I like to read for the magazine to be read by is someone like my mother who's 60 years old and by a young girl who is 19. Yes. So the idea is that every month we put out stories that have some sort of resonance and relevance to everyone. You can be sitting in Texas and I really hope that you read the magazine and it really hits home. And it has to be someone who's sitting in you know, a city like Nagpur and say, hey, listen, I want to be like these women, you know, and it, it has to bridge that divide. I don't want it to be about very, you know, it can't be very insular in its focus. Uh, I don't get anywhere out of that. Yeah. Just to give you some perspective, I think um, in April, we released the story on uh, the country's first defense minister, who's a woman. Uh, and the thing is that she assumed office and we were the first publication to get an interview by her. And that was really important to me because she's the minister of defense and she's the first woman of minister of defense. And she accepted our request for an interview as opposed to a national daily. And and she was amazing. She gave us about two hours. She spoke about her life, her work, everything. And it, it was amazing because now that sort of story is going to hit home to everyone. Everyone. And similarly, in the same issue, I think since the day I joined, I was pursuing the story on the three uh, women Air Force fighter pilots. And the thing is, I mean, I've been, you know, you have to ask people. I'm very shameless in asking people. And at the most, they're going to say no. I'm very, very persistent. And I only realize, I mean, the thing is, you have to be persistent for them to say no to you. And if you're well, that's what I that's what I did with you, Supriya. I was like, no, nope, you're getting on. I'm going to email you again and again. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. So I I think even with the Air Force, they just didn't understand what we were on about. And they said, oh, you know, ma'am, you know, the B B BBC approached us and we said no. I said, but we're a magazine, you know, like it's a whole different thing. And finally, he randomly said, you know what, you can come and shoot. Uh, at the Sambala Air Force Station on the 19th of February. And I was like, oh, can we postpone it here or there? Because I needed to organize the programmers. They're just like, we're getting these three girls from three different Air Force bases for you. I think, please come. So we went, it was just such an iconic shoot because to get those three girls, they're like 24, 25, 26. And they knew our covers. Um, and it was really nice because they, they were just young girls and they were flying all these crazy planes like the MiG-21 Bison and she's 24. Um, it was so inspiring. For me, that was a career highlight meeting them and they were very nervous talking to us because it was their first ever interview but it was it was really cute. Yeah. And uh, 
the Air Force is now using that image as their uh, billboard to recruit more women into the Air Force. That's huge. So it was shot by a photographer called Tarun Khewal. And I think we we had a great time. It was a great day. I took my dad, I took my son, I took my husband, and we just all went mad. Yeah. <laughs> so it was amazing. No, what a great way to recruit. I exactly. Mean, in America in the 80s, Tom Cruise and Top Gun. Exactly. <laughs> that was I mean, Tom Cruise, that stuff can still work nowadays, by the way, from that <laughs> No, movie. but that was our, you know, I think one of our mood boards was the Avengers shoot or something like that. So it just worked. Um, it worked well and we got lucky. But I think we got there because I was on the, you know, the public relations officer of the Indian Air Force. I was just emailing him every single day. You know, I'd wake up and send my kids to school and send him an email. It was just one of those That's what you got to do. Totally. And then speaking of powerful women, you also, uh, you had Mindy Kaling on your cover. Um, And you also had the story of the, I think it was Six Power Women of Finance, I believe. Uh, Can you talk about those two? Sure. Uh, I think with, um, I'll start with the finance story because I think we carry that in the March issue. Um, I think one of the ideas to for that story came about was I think the World Economic Forum and Davos and Davos had just um, concluded, and one of the women uh, was this woman called Chetna Gala Sinha. And what happened was I saw her; she was on a panel with the uh, you know Prime Minister of Norway, just like eight power women, and here she was uh, representing India. And I thought, you know, let, let's research something about her. Let's find out who she is. And I think through that, we got the idea that this is the only time in India where a lot of the top bosses in the world of finance are all women. So I said, let's explore the story. So I asked a friend of mine who's been a finance journalist for a very long time, uh, who knows these women. Uh, she's worked with them very closely. And we put the story together. And I think it was great because it opened up the magazine to a whole different a set of people who wouldn't usually read the magazine. You know, these were women who said, okay, I'll give you time from 10.17 to 10.28 in the morning. They were literally that specific. And for us, it was quite absurd because we work with like a large crew and people and photographers and we just had to make it quick. But I think when they saw us working, they opened up, they were very kind, very, very nice. And it helped build our relationship with them. So that was a great highlight for us. Uh, we carried that in the March issue. And um, it got the ball rolling. So when we had to do other stories on women, um, this was a great example of showing extraordinary women in a typically man's world, technically speaking, but doing what they know best. Uh, these are women who have written about funds and mutual funds and how to invest. And one of them, in fact, is conducting a workshop in our office on how to save money. And it's a very simple thing. Like, how do you save money with the salary that you get? What do you do? So we're trying to do a workshop in our office, uh, then try and open it up for a Facebook Live too. So we do Facebook Live in L uh, for beauty-related stories. So people write in asking about beauty queries. But I think we need to do that about finance too. So I think that they got excited about that because it opens up. We have about 1.2 million followers on Facebook. So it opens up to a whole different... uh, category of women who might want to ask them questions. Uh, so I was very excited about that entire story. I think it's uh, it really set us apart from the usual, you know, we need to cover fashion and features, but I think this was a, this was a good way to start uh, focusing on other women, you know? I was going to add that these, you know, it seems like Elle and, and Cosmo, I mean, all these beauty and fashion magazines are evolving in this yeah. way where it's not, you just, 
you're kind of not allowed just to do beauty and fashion anymore, right? Like, exactly. You have to be, like you that, said, inclusive of, of everything. I mean, you can easily do your fashion stories and your feature stories, but I think you have to set the bar somewhere. And at the end of the day, I want the magazine to be discussed by everyone. And this is the only way I can open it up to a whole different set of audiences, right? Yes. Um, so, so we get women in finance in March. Uh, in July, we're working on women in film. Uh, not necessarily the actors, but people who are behind the scenes, yeah. film directors, musicians, music comp- composers, things like that. Um, and in September, we're doing something called Agents of Change, which is essentially game changers who work silently uh, behind the scenes. Uh, and we're opening up that, you know, it's not just men, it's not just women, it's men and women. Yeah. So, and then we want to do something on women lawyers later in the year. So I think <laughs> we want, I mean, I'm just saying, so we just want to break, open it up to a whole different, this, you know, audiences by talking about stuff that they've got to know, you know. And uh, with regards to Mindy, I think it was just one of those sleepless nights. The thing is, I'm a very late sleeper. And... um so it was just one of those nights. I just sent her a DM, you know, an Instagram message saying, hey, listen, do you guys want to be on the cover of L?" And uh, that's exactly how it happened. And nice. I sent her an Instagram message and it worked. And within the next, I think, six hours, she was like, yes, okay, let's do this. Uh, reach out to uh, her agents and her managers and all of that. And uh, that's how we worked. And she was fantastic. She gave us nine to four. Uh, we shot her in New York in April. And she came without any entourage. She came on time. She greeted everyone on set, spoke to them, you know, detail, interns, everyone, you know. And she was amazing and very gracious and very generous with her time. And very, very excited to the cover, very involved from the get-go. We got clothes made for her. She was very, very keen to wear Indian designers. Uh, just so curious about yeah. everything that we do. And she was amazing. I think I had a great time working with her because we were all very apprehensive. We work a lot with Bollywood. I think with, but we're, and we're used to drama. We're used to drama about people not showing up, people showing up six hours later, people not showing up at all after everything is ready. But uh, Mindy was a uh, refreshing. I mean, she was so fantastic. I just wish it was that easier to deal with Bollywood. She had breakfast. She spoke. We had the interview. She went up, changed. Uh, you know, very involved, very focused. Very Professional, involved, involved gracious. So she's basically as awesome as we think she is, basically. And it was a great day in New York. So we took her outside. And there are people in New York, no one cares who you are. And people just stopped on the street, spoke to her, took her pictures. It's like, oh my God, yeah. you're Mindy, you're Mindy. She's like, yeah, I'm Mindy, I'm Mindy. You know, she was just really cool about the whole thing. The second the cover was out, uh, she sent me a message. And I mean, she was just so fantastic. And, uh, you know, she her Instagram game, you know, tell us when it's out. We will push it out at the same time. Tell us what you need us to do. Very... I mean, yeah, you feel that she can be your friend. She gives you that yeah. vibe. And she, and she's a fantastic example of how, you know, she's broken stereotype and of course to where she is. And she, razor sharp wit, so bright. And 
very kind. And I yeah. think that's what taken her to be where she is, you know? Where she is, yeah. She definitely deserves yeah. it. Uh, yeah, I'm going to oh, do yeah. the persistent email thing to her eventually, and I'll let you know. I'm sure she'll, <laughs> after like 20 times, I'm sure she'll answer. And sorry, going back, you had mentioned, you mentioned Bollywood. So I kind of wanted to dip into that so, a little bit. And you, you, you answered it, but what is Bollywood's influence uh, on Elle and, and, and your coverage? Are, are they a huge part of the magazine, or are you trying to get away from that now? Um, it is a huge part. It helps us sell the magazine. And I think in every issue, um, uh, except for, I think, Mindy, and whom we have uh, in June, which is like a passion project for me, um, we have to have uh, Bollywood-centric covers because yeah. at the end of the day, that's what sells. It is it is like religion. And even now, even when I'm on holiday, we're sitting and trying to figure out, uh, you know, the last bits on our July cover and, I'll, and you know, things like that. So it is very, very important. You can't ignore it, even if you want to. Um, and you shouldn't. It is for popular culture. But I think what might set it apart, at least with Elle, is to have conversations that matter. And instead of, so to give you an idea with, uh, with Sonam, well, who was on our cover in January, yes. and she's a very bright girl, she's really fantastic. Uh, instead of doing the typical interview, we got her uh, in, in conversation with Imran Ahmad, the business of fashion. So it was fantastic because they had, you know, they spoke about feminism, about standing up for what's right. And those are the kind of topics that you want to hear about. And with... Uh, Priyanka, we got Hasan Minhaj to have a conversation with her on how to make it in America being yes. a brown girl. And yes. I think it was a great conversation of equals. And uh, then I think when we had a supermodel covers, I think we reminiscent about their past. And with Mindy, uh, I had a conversation about the aura magic of Mindy Killing. But I think going forward, but we... You can't ignore Bollywood. You shouldn't. And as a magazine, I think we need to be clever about how we position it. Uh, yes. Rather than in the most typical hackneyed way, we have to be very clever on how we uh, position them. And that's what sets us apart from any other magazine. And that's why they'll agree to do our covers because it's so L, which stands for a metaphor or something really, really cool, you know. And, you just uh, answered my next next question. My next question was was going to be how does L differentiate itself as a magazine? So yeah, yeah, makes sense. I think just to be cool, accessible, and to give the idea that hey, listen, we're your friend here. You know, like a smarter, clever, older sister. Well, now that you mentioned Priyanka too, um, out of curiosity, what are people's feelings or thoughts in India about her kind of crossing over here and focusing her career in the states? I think they're very proud to make it over there on a primetime show, um, you know, Baywatch, everyone. And, and to be, and to be a lead Baywatch, in the show, yeah. To be a lead. Uh, yeah. I think everybody's really proud. I mean, it's it takes guts to do what she's doing. And she's one of those women who flies, you know, into one continent within like seven hours and exits and gets into another continent within the seven hours. And yet she's still up and about and doing her thing. So yeah. I don't know how many people do that. And she's got she's got great dis discipline, great work ethic, and which is why she is where she is. Definitely. I mean, she was at the royal yeah. wedding like yesterday, and now she's in Bangladesh for some UNICEF work. And and then she looks like how she looks, of course. Yeah. But you have to give it to her. I mean, it takes a village, yes, but I still have a village to help me every day. But still, I don't think I can. <laughs>
Bria, I actually wanted to, to step back a little bit and talk more about your actual role as editor-in-chief. Obviously, big title, big role. I don't know if you could tell me in simple terms what you do daily, but what does an editor-in-chief do daily? Like, what, would you tell my, what would you tell the audience you would do on a day-to-day basis? A lot of follow-ups, I think. Uh, as much as I'd be, you know, I'd love to say you know, a lot of creativity, ideation, and all of that. But let me break it down. There's a lot of follow-ups, and uh, you've just got to follow up on whether it's the magazine going to press, whether it's a certain page that needs your approval on the layout, to what is on the cover, three issues down. Um, you're ideating, implementing, you're shouting, you're screaming, you're tearing <laughs> your hair out. You are, you, are, you are slowly going insane through the day, and yet... I mean, you can't get enough of it. Um, so basically what a mom does. Exactly. But the thing Got is, it. you're heralding, you know, you talk. But the thing is, with moms, you can contain your anger and your craziness within that little <laughs> this thing. But I think with a magazine, I mean, very realistically speaking, I think a day starts with, I mean, we need to figure out our covers, which is single most important real estate of any magazine. Um, besides that, it's making sure that the magazine goes to press without any hitch for that month, which involves okay. you check page layouts, you are talking to new talent, you're looking at mood boards continuously for future shoots, uh, you're planning every... I mean, we have great teams at L, and I think in many ways we're constantly ideating on uh, the voice uh, that the fashion has to have in the magazine the direction that the features bit has to take in the magazine. So thus, I mean, ideas like women in finance, uh, you know, putting those things together with that level of, you know, people and all of that. So it involves nurturing every team to do the best that they can. Uh, Even a simple thing like a book club, making sure that the kind of authors that you feature are authors that you want to go pick up a book and read, you know? So I think I'm trying to make, on a daily basis, it's just making sure that the magazine is running in the manner that you want it to go. Um, Making sure the pages are, design the manner that you think works well and it's not just me it's the work of every other person who works with me uh and and even digitally i think we have a great digital team but it's a matter of making sure that hey listen today we're going to launch a podcast what is the step forward uh you know how do we make our digital social media website interesting if i see something how do we make it work so i think on a daily basis the roles constantly change whether it's meeting people uh, or writing uh, it leaves me very little time to write but i do whenever i can but um, it's everything and more and sometimes there are days you just wonder you just sent 300 emails but what has happened at the end of it you know <laughs> yeah so yeah. it is an issue since you've been editor that was maybe close call or something that was very troubling to you where you were kind of tweaking it even last minute before publication or are they usually maybe a week or two out they're set in stone i think it was the priyanka hassan conversation that got kept that kept delaying constantly because of their schedule and his wife was uh all like ready to pop her baby out you know and he was with her and they had a first set of conversation but no one recorded it uh, and then i think we had literally one day 
before we went to press and i had a backup on the kind of maybe just do a q and a with priyanka but i said let's just give this shot they tried it once more didn't work and finally i think it was a friday night thursday late night friday morning uh where they were going to have the conversation and i had to close the magazine friday evening at 4 o'clock so wow. finally um the interview happened that friday morning at like 4 a.m and it was some 11000 words that was transcribed and we got it ready by 4 o'clock and i just i think i summoned every ounce of prayer that i could uh <laughs> to just make sure because i think everything was it was a march issue you can't go wrong with those things you know yeah. and you're supposed to back this many many months before it just so happened that two very busy people and his wife was expe- i mean they were expecting a baby you know he was on his way to the hospital or something but he made the time he was very gracious about it and she, she, and she too you know so yeah. that was that was a it was very stressful it was stressful for everyone in my family who seemed to know that this was going on that was the closest call to madness but i think besides that um none so far i think we're i mean touch wood so far so good yeah and this is you know this is your this is your first six months right so yeah is this is this role is this position your ultimate goal in your career um i think so i think everyone who starts out as a journalist at i mean at some point you do think that uh you know hey what's it like to be an editor and i love fashion and yes. uh you know you it it plays in the back of your mind but then you're still doing your job and you're moving on um yes. so yeah it is in many levels something that i've worked hard towards and i'm very grateful that i have it but uh, that's one thing but i need to work at it every single day because of we course. live in we live in completely different times where there's digital media and you still have print we're very lucky to be still be in print but you have to use this time this position to set your vision and the ideas that you put out it has to be inspiring across many levels uh you know they're young girls who are reading the magazine and i don't want them to go running back to their mothers or fathers say hey listen buy me this hermes bag which is great at some point i also i mean i'd like that and i'd also like them to say hey listen i read about this woman who was the minister of defense yes you know what's it like to get there so i think you're trying to balance it too um it's tough but you know we're trying at the end of the day i also look at it in terms of i stack it up i hope I'm glad I'm doing this when I have kids because it helps me stack up because tomorrow when I don't have the job I'm hoping that uh when they see it these are stories that are timeless and that they should be proud of you know Exactly. And and that's kind of my next question and my last question for for the segment your ultimate vision of what you kind of touched upon earlier but ultimate vision ultimate focus ultimate kind of mark that you want to put on this magazine if you can sum it up in a couple sentences We are friends I think more than anything i think just um yeah we are your friends we are your we're very inclusive hang out with us sit with us be with us be brave yes. be very fearless uh, have a voice and yes. that's how you'll be more red got it love it very nice so i'm going to just quickly get your thoughts on journalism and media uh nowadays mm-hmm. journalism media it's just been since the trump administration it's gone insane with this fake news and the way people are reporting and social media do you have any thoughts on that and how are things in india in terms of journalistic integrity and and how 
L holds up. I think speaking of L, I think we try to stay as honest to the game as we possibly can. It also helps that we don't cover hard news. Uh, yeah. We cover fashion, features, people, women, uh, men, all of that. So we don't really cover hard news that way. Uh, yeah. We don't, I think, we don't also, se- we don't, we're not alarmist. We're not sensationalizing things that, you know, out of bounds. It makes no sense, you know. I only try to sensationalize the stories on our covers, of its features, things like that. Uh, Got it. Positive stories. I think with regards to journalism, yes, I think television per se gives me a migraine because everybody's <laughs> screaming and shouting yes. and arguing. And no news becomes big news. So, I mean, I think to, if it's honestly speaking, I think everyone's lost the plot. But they've just, they're just doing what they're doing, right? I mean, that's their yeah. job. They've got to make the most of it, whether it's primetime news, or whether it's trying to get more followers on Twitter or Instagram. You're doing what you're doing. You're hustling. And, yeah. you know, and whatever floats your boat, it doesn't definitely get me anywhere. But, um, <laughs> it, I mean, the thing is, it is what it is, right? People are going exactly. to Exactly. Yeah. And... And in India, I think anything becomes news. We have so many channels and so many anchors and it's possible to make. I mean, we have this new paparazzi culture with uh, that you see on Instagram and all of that. But, yes, you know, these all have their own moments. It, I mean, I take it with a pinch of uh, salt. Yes. But essentially, I don't think it's different from what it is in the US. You know, and again, we did touch upon this a little bit, but... How does L balance the idea of what beauty is and the influence of beauty um, in your magazine and how young women view themselves? And I know you kind of touched upon balancing it with with content sure. and, and what the content is, correct? Yeah, I think we have pretty strong, uh, we are pretty solid over there. The kind of stories that we do, uh, there's a lot that you can take away uh and it's relevant i mean i think i'll just speak ahead for our july issue it's on hair and whether it's products it's not just about products to use we also have a read section where we're trying to identify women who have issues with their hair uh you know whether it's you know living with hair or not living with hair i think we're still ideating on it but i just think that july is a good month it's monsoon uh everyone's hair goes (laughs) so i think Oh, I think we're very, and you know, whether there's something called, I don't think we we use the word anti-aging, we use slow aging. I just, I mean, I'm not a fan of uh, negative words, I think. Uh, and also, I think with, you know, the May issue, we did a really cool feature on face yoga. Uh, you know, and even the kind of models that we use, it's, I mean, it's not the usual lot, you know, they're pretty girls in their own way with curly hair they may be dusky and all of that even putting someone like Mindy Kaling on the cover uh, is an example of how we yeah. are taking the stand with a magazine she is not your typical average you know bombshell but she is someone who is fantastic happy comfortable in her own skin so I yes. think with related to beauty I think um, it has to be accessible I don't yeah. want young girls reading the magazine saying I need a nose job. I need a lip job. Yeah. I want to look like her and all of that. I just want them to be happy, you know, uh, seeing this, saying, oh, these are women who look like us. They're sensitive. They're sensible. Uh, and they're very inclusive. I mean, more than yeah. anything, you know. I don't exactly. have 15, 16-year-olds running and asking their parents for a nose job for their 16th yep. birthday. Exactly. No. So, Makes sense. <laughs> no, that's so, good. Yeah.
you have two kids and yeah. obviously your your role and your work must be very demanding with travel yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Work life balance. How how do you how do you make it happen? There's no work life balance. There's <laughs> n- there is no such thing as work life balance. Work life balance to me is a myth not because I made it that way but it generally is a myth. Um yeah. I I I don't know what it is. I'm not saying that because I I genuinely don't know and I don't even know how do you balance it? How how can you uh because my kids are non-stop, my work is non-stop. I have to make the two meet at some point. And yes. um it's tough because I can't switch off. It's not easy to switch off because there are things that need my, you know, I need to see into things. I can't just say I switched off. I'm on holiday. Okay, guys, handle it. I'm not made up that way. Maybe that's because I'm a mother, so I don't give up that easily either. Um, exactly. I'm very happy that um, I can handle this job with my kids because um, it makes you work faster. It makes you more hungrier, and it makes you. I mean, the thing is, impatience. I'm very impatient, but it's also I think because. motherhood has made me that way i just need to get answers and i need to move on um but you work with that twice the amount of you you do so much within the time frame that you have because you need to go home you're efficient you pro- you're definitely uh, more efficient i mean you try to be you know yeah. i think it's if there if school's out at 2 i can't show up there at 2:30 there are days when no. i need to go in the middle come back drop him come back take my daughter to a toddler program or whatever but the thing is you've got to do it right yes. and it's not easy uh, at all and i just uh, there are many days i mean i question when i ask people what is work life balance i there is no such thing as work life balance i wish i had it and um you need to have a well oiled machinery at home to help you do exactly. what you do at work and i am very clueless in what happens at home uh because i'm busy at work but i pay all that attention that i have on my kids uh so i'm very particular about the after work what to do i choose the events that i need to attend to on the days that i don't have to go uh unless it's really important i don't because it may not be that i'm mollycoddling my kids at the time but it's just that i'm at home sharing the same space breathing the same air as them exactly and fighting with them on most days because my yes. kids are four and two and they have all these opinions so the oh my god and i know is, i have, i mean the standard joke running is i can negotiate covers but i can't get through to my kids so <laughs> <laughs> i i don't know how to get through to them my daughter's two going on 20 and uh I'm raising little divas. So <laughs> I I feel like we need to get a drink. My 4-year-old daughter rolled her eyes at me this morning. I'm like, how is this happening to my life? What is going on? <laughs> they're all like they they're an emoji, the two of them. <laughs> yes, they're emoji. They're walking emojis. It's so funny. So and, and then you I roll emoji, I think. I I roll emoji. I was like, you're four and a half years old. You need to calm down first of all. So yes. the I have to tell you guys this something really funny. so i was in bombay a uh, couple of weeks ago and i asked my mother did my daughter meera did she go to school i said she said no and she said don't you not want to know why i said why she said she got so tired getting ready choosing her shoes <laughs> and her clothes and her hair clips that she went off to sleep <laughs> oh my god our our daughters are going to be best friends it's so funny every morning mommy i'm too tired to go to school i'm like you just slept for 12 hours i don't understand this this so she's very exhausted choosing her pants very exhausting <laughs> so. very exhausting being cute right yeah, yeah exactly 
Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, anyway. So yeah, you, you, I was going to ask you that. I was going to ask you how becoming, becoming a mother has changed the way you work and, and kind of view you, your professional life. But I mean, you, you basically answered it by... By saying you I just think, have to yeah. get stuff done, yeah. You you just work harder, faster, stronger um, within the time frame that you have, and then yes. when your kids go to bed, you're back at it. Uh, yes, I think it's just it's it's exactly what you're doing. Your kid is downstairs, and you're doing what you're doing, and exactly within the time frame that you have, and you're moving homes and you're moving cities. And the yes. thing is that um, there are no, I mean, there is no option. You're working with no options you have to make it work they're here with you and you're you're lucky that they chose you to be their mom but the thing is that it's it's a struggle um this thing but uh you've got to do the best that you can or you know you won't be the the fact is you're you're i mean the thing is you're a mom there must be a certain reason why you're a mother and um someone's made this plan up saying that listen you can handle it so i think exactly you've got to just do it yeah, I mean, I, I've told many uh, uh, people that we I've been I've interviewed on the podcast that are mothers. I feel like for me, and and they've all agreed that I have actually become, like you said, a harder, stronger, harder worker, stronger person in general, and more exactly. actually more mo- more motivated. So exactly for it's me, they're blessings in general, of course, but they have also pushed me to to go further. You know. Also, motherhood makes you very shameless, which comes in yeah. handy. <laughs> I have no shame anymore. I'm like, I don't care. Whatever. <laughs> no yeah, you just don't. It, I think it also makes you very pugnacious. Like, you're ready yeah. to pick up a fight. Yeah, it's totally fine. No shame and... Yeah, I think I yeah I get angry a lot more. Yeah, I do get I get angrier too. There's definitely more wine drinking in my house nowadays. My four year old is like, "Mommy, you're drinking wine again." I'm like, "Oh god, she knows what wine is already. This is not good." I quickly wanted to go to the South Asian point of view. And I know, obviously, you're based in India, so it's a little bit different. Over here, uh, and in the podcast, we've talked about how things are changing with with the Indian Americans over here in terms of career and what they're choosing to do as a career. You have obviously chose journalism over there. Is that changing in India, too? Are people... Um, more kids more willing to not kids but you know younger generation more willing to do other things besides the typical engineer lawyer doctor stuff yeah they're all influencers yeah (laughs) i know everyone is seriously they're all serious influencers i think um to give you some idea i think um you'll see this in our june issue we had to do a really cool shoot with the Gucci and Dapper Dan collection. Okay. And instead of doing it on models, we decided to shoot the, shoot the clothes on South Asian um, creatives who are, you know, uh, doing something, you know, doing cool things across the U.S. So it was interesting because these are all second generation South Asian kids who are Definitely not doctors or engineers. There's Hari Kondabalu, who's a comedian. There's Himanshu Suri, who's a musician. Or there's Avan or Avan, however he chooses his name, who's uh, Jogia, who is a model. But he's you know, a real man about town, doing many things, and has Instagram followers of only about 2.2 million. There's Maria <laughs> Kumar of Hate Copy. There's, there's yeah. Preetma Singh of Nordstorm, and she's a drummer. And there's Samyukta Madhu, uh, who's an artist, and Hiba Shabazz. Yeah. So, the, so it kind of also, you know, makes you 
wonder about the kind of people that we are also putting in the magazine, along with the fact that these are all second generation South Asian kids who yes. are choosing alternative careers that exactly. are making the right noises. You know, yeah. uh, someone like Hari doing what he's doing to the business of comedy, uh, or whether it's, and whether that's Shane Javeri, yes. curator. So I think the kind of people that we are looking at, um, I think even in India, I think there's a huge rise. I think with Instagram and social media in general, it it's given access to a whole different uh, career possibilities. But, access and uh, power. I feel like people feel it, like empowered by it. Exactly, completely. Yeah, and yeah, um, totally. And which is also the case with the kind of people that we have featured in the magazine. You know, these are all South Asian creatives who are doing all sorts of cool things that you've got to know about. I think it's changing. I don't exactly. know whether it's changing for the better because I'm still someone who holds a very conservative job that I've been yeah. trained at for the past like you know 16 years but it's it's also very worrisome when you see parents being addicted to facebook and twitter so it's <laughs> yeah it's a little scary it's yeah little i guess scary, that's, you know? that's a good question is it sustainable and i mean hopefully yeah. it is but i i think like you i'm kind of used to the old school i did exactly. undergrad and grad school and lawyer and, and now obviously later on you know i'm now i'm doing different things but exactly. I, I, I there is something to to having this training this professional like formal training formal that training, I, I feel like yeah. formal training yeah that and um even, i think even the new generation of actresses in bollywood they're all you know school kids who just finished school deferred a year of college to do films i mean it's brave and then these are mainstream bollywood films that will literally put them on a pedestal the second yeah. the film is out uh it makes you wonder right whether i'd had that sort of courage when i was 19 i'm 37 30 i don't even know what year this is 2018 <laughs> you're a mom it's okay yeah so i'm 37 i i started working very early at 21 but i was still writing for a magazine i wasn't acting in a film I, yeah. I you know I tried a blog it, I mean I did that for myself and I forgot about it and it wasn't consistent on it but the thing is uh these are kids who are making their bollywood mainstream debut at 19 uh um, crazy it's insane and insane. it's in and it's india when it's a bollywood mainstream film uh you are a superstar already you know so a lot handle, for a 19 yeah. year old yeah how do you handle that it's like inst- yeah, you, i don't know if it's instant gratification uh i don't know what you would want to call it but i mean i think they're also hard working i mean yeah they are it's instant fame or it's, it's it, amazing, like right? i mean you're taking that decision to do what you're doing at that point of time i don't think i'd have the courage to do that when i was 19 no yeah. no matter the kind of film you know it's just because i i was just like i'd just be like Really me why I mean yeah. maybe not maybe let me do that when I'm 25 maybe you know maybe I was still confused up until I was 30 so I, yeah, <laughs> I'm still I confused I'm <laughs> still confused <laughs> So what you you know you've been doing this for such a long time what advice um can you give people that are looking to start writing or who ultimately want to be editor in chief of a magazine Um I think always write never give up a good story uh be persistent be stubborn be shameless and keep writing keep reading keep writing read everything you can including the packaging paper so don't stop reading i think reading is the greatest uh gift that you can get and when i say read read books read magazines read competition um read good lines remember good lines make notes of it but ultimately never forget the 
beauty and the power of a good sentence, uh, you know, and it'll hold you in good stead. And, um, and I think, yeah, essentially make words your best friend, I think, more than anything. I like that. And be shameless about it, you know. Yeah. I also wanted to go back and say, I like, I like the whole slow aging concept. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I like this. I think of myself. <laughs> I like the slow aging. I know. I keep yeah. on saying I'm 30 something. That's my slow aging. <laughs> so the last segment is going to be just a few fun questions just to get sure. to know you. And, you know, just, you don't have to think about it, whatever comes to mind. Who haven't you interviewed that you'd love to sit down with? Oprah. I love, everyone says <laughs> Oprah. I love this. What are you not very good at? I think I could be a better mom. And I don't even mean that in a very meta, you know, meta way. But I genuinely think I wish I could be a better mom. On most days, I just feel like I'm an older sibling. <laughs> <laughs> I think all of us do, Supriya. Don't worry. <laughs> what is your favorite word? Mama. Oh, that's a good one. And in a very realistic, uh, this thing, it'd be spirit. I think it's always been spirit. my favorite word. Yeah. Okay. That's a good, both, both of them. Very good. Yeah. The drink um, and the emotion. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get one one day, Cipria. I promise. <laughs> what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? I honestly have no idea. I've never even given it a thought. Maybe so that, means you that means you love what you're doing, basically. I love what I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? You gave it your best shot. <laughs> that, that's a good one. <laughs> You're like, I guess. <laughs> and then finally, what are you currently working on that you can talk about or any future projects that you can talk about? I think I'm working on a September cover. And okay. I'm also, which actually I'm trying to figure out things for that. And I'm very excited about the December cover, but I will uh, let you know that as soon as it's all sealed. Uh, okay. The other, I think the most important thing that we're working on is a project that's really uh, more like my passion project is something that we're doing towards the end of the year. Uh, it's the working title is Elevate. It's a okay. thought innovation conclave uh, that talks about fashion, design, culture, technology. And we're looking at bringing in global luminaries uh, to India, to Bombay, and have a one-day-long conclave talking about things that you want to know in the world of fashion and philanthropy and sustainability and things like that from people like designers, influencers like Diet Prada, um, and all of that. I think that's something that I'm very... very uh, I'm just working hard at it to make sure that it all falls into place. So I'll let you know. We're looking at doing that in the first week of December. Very and nice. I think that's our big, big project for the year. That sounds awesome. Well, we wish you the best of luck, Supriya. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you again to Supriya David for taking time out of her night to talk with us from Thailand remotely. Yeah, she even had to put her child down and was talking on her phone in her room while her child was sleeping. So that's a super mom right there. <laughs> that's a super mom. And you can follow Supriya on Instagram at Supriya Dravid. It's S-U-P-R-I-Y-A dot D-R-A 
V-I-D, Supriya Dravid. Yeah. And also um, L India, which is L India official on Instagram. Yeah, very cool. And definitely check out the, we're, we'll try to link to it in the Instagram post and the show description, but the uh, articles that we talked about during the interview, like the badass uh, female pilots, and of course the Mindy Kaling piece, definitely check those out. They're They're so great. Uh, and and make us proud as as South Asians to see those people coming up exactly. in the world for sure. And she's also talking about a lot of cool upcoming projects, we'll, which we'll keep you guys posted on. Oh yeah, for sure. And as usual, you can follow us at Ami Tuckered Out, A M I T U C K E R E D Out, and Nizar. Uh, you can follow me at Nizar Babul. That's N I Z A R B A B U L. I think that does it for the week. It does. We have a few more episodes to go before my big move, um, and which we will talk about next time. All right. Until next time, this is Ami Tuckered out. <laughs>